shadows of the desert are so magical that we completely forget the owners of the shadows. Mehmet Marat Yeldon. Welcome to this week's episode of Warfare, Advancement, Revisionism. My name is Preston Floyd, and as always, I'm your host. So, this week is going to be a slightly shorter than normal episode, or at least shorter than I have done the last couple of weeks. Um, was traveling for Father's Day weekend, went home to see my parents, all that kind of stuff, and um, since I've gotten home uh, to record, um, we've had some people blaring uh, music for several hours out in the parking lot across the street, which, you know, uh, I think they've stopped now, but it is um, it is approaching uh, a, a pretty late hour for me, or at least later than I normally record, so I'm going to try to get through this fairly quickly and just get to a decent stopping place and then um, continue next week. Uh, that said, uh, this week we are going to be continuing our study of Africa at 10,000 BC. In fact, this is going to be the last section, I guess, of this continent before we move on. And of course, these sections are going to cover um, Northern Africa. And I'm gonna try and lay out who the peoples living in North Africa were and what they were kind of having to deal with. Because um, again, as we've mentioned several times, uh, this part of Africa is prone to climate change, uh, regular climate change. Uh, it goes back and forth based on a number of factors, but it does oscillate between green and desert. Or I should say greener periods and then a desert desertification period. Uh, 2000 BC, it is still in a green period, although that is going to slowly uh, begin to change and then rapidly speed up. Uh, and we'll go over those changes later. Um, but that being said, let's go ahead and get into specifics now. Now, this uh, section is going to take a fair amount of kind of guesswork and some speculation on my part uh, because Africa is going to obviously as we've talked about go over this climatic change and um, we're not sure uh, honestly where everyone is living at this point in time in this part of the continent we have very good guesses and we do have some evidence uh, but it is hard to know who those people are and what happened to them specifically. Uh, many will migrate from this region to other regions of this continent, and uh, where they end up at is something of a controversy, um, and just due to the nature of um, you know, genetics and the study of it, we haven't been able to really nail down a 100% accurate picture. We kind of have some broad strokes, and, but there's still a lot of guesswork that needs to be done uh, that said, I'm going to start on the western side of North Africa, which of course is today Morocco and Algeria and uh, that kind of area. Um, now, I mentioned briefly in the section about the, um, the Niger-Congo uh, language families, how uh, Mande uh, was a language that has had some type of um, pushback in being included. There is a now a, a kind of a group of thought 
with you know some evidence, I think decent uh, evidence, that it maybe should not be considered a Nijo Congo language, um, at least not directly. Uh, it's obviously had enough overlap now that there is some you know back and forth between the words, but it may not have descended from the same proto language. In fact, it may have been you know part of this you know other prior language. Uh, so I mentioned uh, that it's very possible that the Mande people had to migrate to this part, uh, to the part of Africa that they currently live in due to climate change uh, from this area. Uh, it's also possible that they, uh, you know, didn't come necessarily from the west coast, they could have come from the more central area. Um, but that being said, uh, we don't really know for sure, but we do know that there were some rivers, um, a lot more rivers, uh, covering this area. And I do believe that whoever was living there, it was definitely home to some group of humans. And I mentioned it prior, the river, the main river that would have been in this area is the Tama Rasset River. Uh, its main body of, I guess, um, the, the main, I guess, branch would come south from the Atlas Mountains of North Africa, and then it would move south and then begin to curve to the uh, west. And there would be some, some other sources of water possibly draining out from uh, some lakes or from the Hogar Mountains uh, further in the, I guess, the center of the Sahara desert. Uh, now it is also possible that some of the people living here are the ancestors to uh, the modern Tarek people. Um, they are uh, one of the, the groups that kind of live in northern Africa and they are very uh, uh, diverse in terms of skin color. They have some individuals with very dark black skin and then they have some that are more in line with what you might think of uh, someone from Arabia or uh, very very tanned maybe uh, Italians or Sicilians um, but they and they have like you know different different kind of hair they're, they're a very diverse group and they, they share language they have uh, you know large uh, families and they are nomadic which is, I think, something that has been traditional and continues to be traditional in this region. Um, numbers probably were a little bit better at this time, as you know, makes sense. There's a lot more food. Um, I also think that this area would have been a lot easier to live in than, say, uh, the Senegal, Niger, or the Congo River basins, just because uh, there, while it is green, it is not as a dense in terms of forest uh, it's probably a lot easier to travel um, just due to the you know the the layout of the land you could just follow the river you know a couple of miles north or south of it and you'd, you'd be fine and you're mostly dealing with the flat plain unless you're living of course in the mountains which i think most of the people living in them would probably move along north along the coast once the sahara does take that final turn to green. Of course, while travel may be easier, 
and there may be more access to animals, uh, forage for plants, food, plant food uh, would be a little bit harder just because of the nature of the, the area. Uh, there would be some trees, um, but there would not be anything close to like a, a forest or uh, the, the rainforests further south. So uh, more access to different types of animals probably, uh, but much less types of uh, greenery or leafage to eat or roughage to eat. Now, uh, in terms of language, again, we don't know, you know, who is, you know, who is speaking what at this time. Um, it's very possible that most of the people living here do die out, and then just a small number, you know, migrate to the border regions and then assimilate into, you know, the people living in those already living in those border areas. I don't think that's the case. I think it is more than likely that one of those pseudo-Niger-Congo languages or very unrelated Niger-Congo uh, languages probably were living in this area and, you know, they, they came down and kind of took what land that was available um, or, you know, not necessarily take it but occupied it if, you know, no one else was living there. Um, and that's about all we have for West Africa right now. But we will be getting back there. It is it is a region that is going to be uh, important. We'll probably get back there to focus specifically uh, in probably around time this like about five or six thousand years ago. There are a couple of things that are gonna be very important in the central northern Africa, uh, but. That is, again, for a future episode. Uh, the next part of Northern Africa I want to focus on is the area around Lake Chad. Uh, now, we talked about in the previous, like, I guess, warming period where Africa was, again, in a green phase. Um, Lake Chad was massive. It's the largest it's ever been. Uh, they would... It would, it would be larger than it is today, but it's not close to what it was then. That said, it is going to be an excellent place for a number of different groups to kind of live, live around. Uh, there are people that live there today that are kind of speaking, speakers of uh, a Chadic language. Um, and these, these are uh, spoken across Niger, Nigeria, and like Chad, Central African Republic, Cameroon. Um, but and it is considered Afro-Asiatic, so it is related to um, Semitic languages and Cushitic languages that we discussed. But it is split by uh, between. It is split from Cushitic by the Nilo-Saharan languages and some groups of Niger-Congo languages. So that tells me that they moved into the region uh, later, well after, um, you know, uh, they're probably one of the later groups that moved to this region, uh, just, just based on the timeline and just how it's distributed. They, they definitely came from the north. There are some people that are coming from uh, directly to the north, that, uh, those um, 
uh, kind of the, the far western terminus of the Hobar Mountains. And they probably followed along the eastern edges of the Niger tributaries uh, and then just moved down from there. Another group um, we mentioned are, uh, when we were going over the Niger-Congo languages, were the Cordovian languages. Now they, again, there are, there are some of them that are Niger-Congo, but then there are some that are not. Uh, so it is a very complicated little area, uh, but they are kind of surrounded by, uh, again, Niger-Congo, Nilo-Saharan languages, and a little bit by the uh, Chadic languages. <clears throat> and to go back to the Nilo-Saharan, uh, the people in this part that we're discussing are the more uh, Saharan of the Nilo-Saharan family, whereas last time we discussed the Nilotes, uh, this time uh, we're gonna discuss the ancestors for the modern Saharan languages. Um, Again, we're not quite sure of the age of this family. They could all be speaking a very similar language to uh, the Nilotes, but I do think um, it's more of a language of uh, neighbors as opposed to a direct family. But specifically, the language is spoken in the Sahil, which again is that border region, uh, which is today uh, a savanna, and you know, is a division between the lush jungles and forests of sub-Saharan Africa and the Sahara. Uh, the Sahel is that mid-range, uh, whereas at this point in time, you know, at 10,000 BC, uh, the, the savanna was probably much further north, minus those big river uh, areas that we talked about earlier. But um, the Saharan language or the Proto-Saharan language you're looking at the, these would be the ancestors of people um, uh, that would uh, that would also be around right Chad. They would you know, they would be neighbors to the Chadic languages, uh, as well as uh, they they would be neighbors in the west, and then their neighbors to the east are the uh, Nilote speakers. And of course, to the north you have Afroasiatic speakers, um, and then possibly you know there's another un unknown family that died out or got uh, assimilated by one of these various groups that did live into the modern day. Uh, but today, the people that are would be descendants of these people are going to be uh, Kanuri uh, is one of the um, uh, groups. Uh, there are about four million or so of them. And this is a um, this is the name of the language. There, there are several groups that are Kanuri speakers, and then you have Daza speakers and Teta speakers. Uh, and there, there are others uh, that are in the east, I believe. Um, Zakawa is another big group. Um, but the largest are Kanuri. Uh, they have four million. None of the other groups have over a million. So, um, you know, again, we're, we're, we're pretty sure that this is a... Um, these are all related. These are definitely all related languages. What their original range was, we don't know. Um, and uh, Zaghawa is actually the last eastern branch of the Saharan languages. The western is much larger, much more thing. I think there was another language that actually um, called Sagato, 
which is now extinct, unfortunately. Uh, it used to be spoken in Darfur and a few other places in the, around there. Um, and, but they, um, by the 1990s, that, that language completely died out. Virtually everyone that is in the area now speaks um, Arabic or a dialect of Arabic. Uh, which is unfortunate, but I do think they have some words still that they know, like in terms of what they were. But there are no native speakers anymore. Any, any, like, any remnants of that language are just what were studied and written down at this point. Um, so, uh, so we've gotten the far west. We've kind of got the south central part of the Sahara. Uh, in Northern Africa. Uh, going to the north, again, you have uh, in this little center region, you have uh, the Hagar Mountains. These mountains are, um, there is rock art there dating to, I think they dated to about 6,000 years ago, uh, which is well after this time frame. So it's possible they weren't living there yet. This could have been something that's happening as people are moving out of the region. Another important site to the east of the Hogar Mountains are the Akakos Mountains, uh, which these are in the Ghat Desert in Libya. Um, so these are kind of, if you look at a map of modern day Libya, they are right in the south, uh, west right on the border of Algeria and Libya. Uh, now the rock, there's rock art there that dates to 2,000 years uh, before this uh, and there's more recent stuff there well as well. Uh, basically this area has been kind of a stopping point for various groups uh, on, you know somewhere that people uh, do take refuge from the sun there's a lot of rocky outcroppings. In fact, there's a very important find we're going to talk about uh, in this region. We'll come back to this uh, fairly soon, and I mean that in the grand scheme of things. I think it's about 5,000 BC. Uh, but uh, this is part of the reason that we even have examples of, um, or what made people think that the Sahara was not always a desert. This was like one of the original um, things before we had any kind of like environmental studies for this kind of stuff. The reason for this is that there's rock art showing animals that would not be living in this region. They, the closest you'd be would be like 900 miles away or like 1,500 kilometers, something like that. There are things like giraffes and elephants, which, you know, that's not, <laughs> you know, they're, they're native to Africa, but they are not close to these mountains, at least when they were found. Uh, again, these are all things that are in the Sahara, uh, the Sahel region, you know, in the Savannah, in the Savannah Plains, this thing's up in the mountains. You're not finding that stuff in this part. So this was kind of one of the things that, you know, you know, people were discovering it. They're like, well, you know, this is, this is strong evidence that this region was not always so dry. Uh, this is, of course, a UNESCO heritage site. Uh, it was inaugurated in 1985 for that. Um, now, uh, let's see. 
Uh, of course, there are some, you know, there's a lot of interesting rock formations. There are some thoughts that you know, humans may have had a hand in like helping shape these. I don't know how much evidence there actually is of that, but that is one of the like big theories. Um, uh, you know, around the region. Um, now, of course, today most of this is occupied by modern Libyans, but again, we do have some Tariq people still in the area as they move through, um, and that is important for again that future, uh, you know, kind of episode when we talk about a big discovery here when it comes to mummification. Uh, now the. I think that's probably a good place to start, stop actually for this week. Got a little over 20 minutes, which is, you know, not a terrible length for this podcast, especially considering we don't have a lot of solid evidence to go on. It's a lot of guesswork for this part. Uh, now, next week, we're going to uh, continue moving to the east. We'll get back to the Nile Valley. Uh, we'll discuss who is living here, and then we're going to be moving out of Africa to the Southwest Asia, the Arabian Peninsula, the Sinai Peninsula, and then of course into the Levant and uh, things like where modern day Israel, Palestine, Syria, those countries are. And then we'll continue north uh, from there uh, and then um, then we'll go west. I, I'm not sure quite where we're going to go after the Levant and the Arabian Peninsula, probably to the um, Mesopotamian region, Tigris and Euphrates, those are probably the most important parts there. Uh, once we're there though, I really don't know where we're going to go. Should I go into India or should I go north into the Caucasus or to the northwest into uh, the Zagros Mountains or should I just curve up to Anatolia and then go into Europe? I don't know. Uh, if you guys have any feedback uh, about what you'd like to listen to in those sections, please let me know. It's a good couple of month or so out, so um, you know, please let me know if you have any requests, and I can take that in consideration. Um, no feedback from the last episode, at least nothing specific. Um, I did have a discussion with a regular regular listener uh, about the Nilotes uh, and you know why it's thought that they were so tall. Um, there are a couple of theories for this, and we'll get back into that you know, when, we, when we cover these people with more concrete evidence. But uh, they are the, the first, um, well, one of the first groups to embrace pastoralism. Uh, so this leads them to have a lot of dairy, which is very good, of course, for bones and muscle density, at least if you're drinking a lot of it. And uh, that's something you'll, you'll see in other cultures as well, um, at least some of it. It's, it's really complicated, but again, future episode discussion. Uh, I am interested in feedback, so please reach out to me at my email, which is waradrevpod at gmail.com. That's W-A-R-A-D-R-E-V-P-O-D at gmail.com. Uh, you can also reach me at Twitter, which I'll include the link to in the description of this episode on the various podcasting sites, Google, Spotify, and of course the, the main RSS feed. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. I hope you enjoy this rushed episode, 
And I will see everyone, hopefully, next week. Thank you. You have a great day. Goodbye.